0: everybody, welcome back to The Big Show. This is the As Lutheran As It Gets podcast, episode 76. And as always, we are your pastors, Christopher Gillespie. Digging into the B-sides, the basement tracks, the basement tracks. And I am Donald Riley, Pizza Tapes. We, the Pizza Tapes, that's right. Uh, we are going to jump back into Norman Nagel's uh, dissertation his this book. On Luther's understanding of Christ and the Lord's Supper. And as we've talked about last time, we're going to jump forward now to the threat of mysticism, subtitled Christ
1: Spirited Away. Yeah. And, it covered the threat of works right. in the last two episodes.
0: And he alluded to this, uh, Nagel brings it up and alludes to it in Luther, that the threat of mysticism within the context of the sacrament of the altar will lead us in a direction that is well somewhat Roman Catholic in his context, mm-hmm. yeah, because there is a certain under a subtext of of mystical consumption within
1: the sacrifice of the mass, the transtemporal sacrifice, for example, the mimetic um, action, yeah, and if you look at like lay mysticism, so we, um, this is basically <laughs> these are lay people trying to figure out why this is important. And, right And lacking any understanding of the words that are being said. Right. And unfortunately, in the present tense, and I say unfortunately, because Luther early
0: in his career, he studied mysticism, he mm. was interested in, in a certain sense. He actually published a text uh, that he found called the Theologia Germanica. Oh, right. Yeah. And I've read it, and it is definitely a mystic text. Maybe we should define Myth- that. What do you mean by mystic? Well, we're going to get into that as we read here, but uh, essentially by mistake, we're talking about an emphasis on the spirit over and against the flesh, Mm -hmm. which is, again, a very Neoplatonic division between flesh and spirit. And that what really matters is that we, in our piety, whether that be our works or our sacramental piety, our devotion to Christ and following his example we are attempting to submit and subdue the body the flesh in order that the yeah. spirit might be set free to commune right. with the trinity it, in the east they call this the perichoretic union the trinity the interplay mm. the, the neighborliness of father son and holy spirit and that really spiritually we're invited into that union but not physically
1: yes yeah, so you're talking about like having a you know mind out of body kind of experience yes yeah right. Yeah, a higher level of experience. You know?
0: Right, exactly. That that the flesh and fleshly things, earthly things, material things, they're base, they're lower things, and the spirit and spiritual things are higher things. Yeah, this is straight up Platonism. You go read Plato. I was just reading actually about uh, Plato on virtue ethics.
1: I want to say the Greeks have it, but you you see it in lo- lots of folk religions. You know, one hundred percent shamanism or yeah, yeah.
0: <clears throat> in fact, most folk religion we would qualify as mysticism or mystic. Uh, ritualistic practices
1: yeah it's trying to find a higher meaning in the, in the base reality yeah you think of like the
0: the teachings on astral projection for example <laughs> of, of being able to leave your body and travel different places
1: the astral that's, plane yeah
0: that's the you know that's a really great example of a mystic approach to mind and body that's connected to the what new age movement i guess is what we call it. it is think. yeah yeah for yeah. sure So we're going to dive in. This is on page 189 of Nagel's uh, dissertation. Although Karlstadt cannot be numbered with the great exponents of the mystic art, it was in him that Luther was forced to face this way of approaching God, which he now saw as the denial and disruption of what he held concerning Christ and the Mass. In this, Karlstadt is representative of the early and Anabaptist Schwermer. A quote-unquote spiritual growth obtrudes itself here, which later became the galloping consumption of the Schwermer. It may be regretted that Luther did not have a more trying case to deal with, but the certainty with which he wrote shows that his hesitation in writing against the heavenly prophets was not due to doubt. The trenchant certainty may be seen as due to the resistance built up in him from having had... Having had the same disease in a more virulent form, ooh, right.
1: Takes one to know one, right? Yeah.
0: Well, this is what I mean. What I, I referred to is Luther definitely dabbled with or flirted with the mystics, especially the German mystics, and Johannes Tauler, for example. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, but or Meister Eckhart, he was familiar with too. Yeah. But now, when it comes back at him through Karlstadt, for example. Now he's essentially forced by Karlstadt to kind of be self-critical and say, well, am I really married to the teachings of the mystics? Because the way in which Karlstadt is formulating this, the way the heavenly prophets who came mm-hmm. into Wittenberg are doing this, I don't agree with them. So theologically, am I on board even 10% with this mystic teaching? Yeah. And his
1: answer was no. Yeah, and the, probably the close, what is what is the closest equivalent for us would be what we call, well, it came later, pietism, right? But like, mm-hmm. but like piety, that it has the same kind of effect. Where, like, we don't want to throw out all piety just Correct. because we're opposed to something like pietism. You know, the ism right. of it, where where it becomes like the what all-consuming or all consuming or you know driving force of religion.
0: Well, kind of institutionalized, codified movement within the church that says this is how we will relate to God and this is how we will relate to one another
1: through our piety through our actions our behavior our habits well and we've said that you know um, there is mystery which is, is somewhat akin to to this mysticism right mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know and we don't want to throw out the mystery and say well everything's understandable and clear and easy to kind of grasp no. and, you know it's all you know scientific in a sense no absolutely not yeah but i would argue then that even our
0: spirit is a mystery to us we are a mystery to ourselves mm-hmm. in that sense <clears throat> and a lot of what qualifies as mysticism is an attempt to well that's why he refers to them as schwammer enthusiasts mm-hmm. God withiners mm. they go within themselves to discover God and to discover their relationship with God. How do you want to
1: translate schwärmer is that that's like the bee buzzing thing right yeah, the
0: swarming the swarming um
1: bees so or swarming gnats, so these are the attention deficit religious people,
0: right the spiritual hyperactives we call
1: them oh there you go, yeah,
0: and so. What we end up with then is this confrontation between Luther and Karlstadt mm-hmm. and about, quote-unquote, spiritual growth. And by spiritual growth, he means literally, how can we grow away from our bodily needs and desires and become, quote-unquote, more spiritual beings? Oh, because that's really what God wants. God's pure spirit, so we need to become more spiritual.
1: Oh, so like we too could fast 40 days in the wilderness. Right.
0: Well, you'll notice, and well, I, we'll I think- we close to that, 38. You
1: can't anticipate already why they have a problem with the Lord's Supper
0: especially Luther's formulation of the Lord's Supper, because if the purpose of life is to really get away from my body because God mm. is pure spirit mm-hmm. and the emphasis there is on pure. And yeah. by pure, I mean pure righteousness, pure justice, pure judgment, pure action, Some pure Some kind of higher,
1: higher, unknowable. Right? God's not kind of impeded
0: thing. by bodily desires.
1: Instead, he's pure. Oh. Because he's God. So it's related to celibacy then too. 100%. Okay. So you can, again
0: understand then why they the mystics might have a problem with the lord's supper the way luther formulates it
1: so would it to go off on a little bit of a tangent would you say like the modern purity cults are just a new form of mysticism yep okay. i would yeah yeah absolutely yeah whatever kind of purity <clears throat> i mean
0: right we would we would tend to say you don't have a low enough anthropology or <laughs> in another way you, you have far too high a view of yourself
1: right exactly <laughs> or your capability or even your will
0: that you think that your problem is just the skin that you walk around in. As mm-hmm. if, and this is a, you know, since we're on this rabbit trail, this is when you formulate sin as being the stuff that you do or don't do mm-hmm. in a bodily physical sense, Yeah. then why wouldn't you want to escape your body? It's the seat of sin. Paul says this in Romans 7, right? This is my problem with my flesh. I do what I don't want to do and I don't do not do what I should do and, and I love God's law, but I don't do it and who's going to rescue me from this body of death? If you're a Platonic kind of person, you see the world in terms of flesh and spirit, higher and lower things. Yeah. When Paul complains about his flesh holding him back, well, what does Paul want to do? He wants to leave this body.
1: He says this, this tent in Corinthians. Well, this is why I've wondered, you know, in a lot of the religious traditions, there's uh, like hallucinogens or other kinds of psychotropic mm-hmm. drugs attached to this kind of experience. Right. And why the Christian mystics didn't as well. They did. Just, but not, not overtly. They did. It's in the earlier texts. Well, it was just sanitized out. Okay. Over time, they did too. All the di- just to try to transcend, you know. because I've read this where well, actually, um, I can't remember her name, Sienna, Catherine of Siena. Yeah, Catherine of Siena. It was one of these medieval mystics. Like she would fast right. so much that mm-hmm. when she did go to the Lord's supper, she right. had ecstatic experience absolutely she probably was hallucinating just from lack of well, nourishment and they all had ergot poisoning anyway uh, yeah so. we've talked about that <laughs> should i should i link up to an article <laughs>
0: on ergot poisoning yeah absolutely okay <laughs> so back to the text then luther had moved on from the augustinian dichotomy of letter and spirit to that of law and gospel with its order of salvation while for Karlstadt, the augustinian view remained dominant and this is really the key point luther is able he's he's flexible enough and and knowledgeable enough and thoughtful enough to read augustine and say
1: this is good this is not yeah this we need to keep this we need to throw away well even uh like with augustine that's i think that's where he got the whole say the words and then say what does this mean because Augustine does does that all over the place yes he does he reads the text and he says what does it mean very common practice right mm-hmm. yeah and not only in theology but philosophically that's where he brings
0: it from he brings it from philosophy especially the dialecticians and the rhetoricians oh sure yeah so in augustine you get this neoplatonic influence which he doesn't run away from he acknowledges it's there he spends most of his career trying to work his way out of that stuff mm-hmm. he was a manichean before he was a christian so and augustine's spiritual father philosophically was cicero so it all comes from this, right? His debate with Julian of Aclanum was, su- the subtext was Julian of Aclanum was a student of Cicero too. And so they are debating who had the better ethics from Cicero. And and then they're arguing who had the better biblical exegesis also. So there's a lot mixed up with that. And Luther recognizes these things and says, okay, we'll keep this, but this letter spirit distinction, this it's not adequate to the task of biblical exegesis because the Bible is really law and gospel. Mm. Why? Because Jesus, fully God, fully man. First article, third article, all wrapped up in Jesus' second article. Mm -hmm. So therefore, the order of salvation, law, gospel, as words of God, take precedent over Augustine's distinction between the letter and the spirit. Letter meaning flesh, spirit meaning gospel, in the sense. Got it. Whereas Karlstadt and, uh, and many of Luther's colleagues, Agricola and others, they couldn't go there with him This is the genius of Luther Mm. is that he was able to do this. And others said, yeah, no, I I can't do that. I don't believe that. Or I don't think you're completely right there. Or letter and spirit is equal to long gospel. However, they formulated it. But the point being is that Luther, oh, here we go. So the same may be said of the tale, (laughs) the Theologica Germanica. Which Luther published. From Karlstadt came echoes of the Dictata, which Luther now repudiates his early psalms lectures Mm -hmm. which again there's great stuff in those early psalms lectures but you got to read through a lot of stuff that's not so great
1: yeah they're they're rough
0: they're not too long though he's working through stuff he's working through stuff yeah but in the same way that luther does that to augustine we are free to do that to luther
1: Mm. and i guess you're free to do that um your people are free to do that with your bible study as well (laughs) and and they do (laughs) (laughs) i'm not quite with you yet pastor explain that to me right give that
0: another go (laughs) And I'm alive, so they can do that. Luther's not alive, so I've got to pick and choose what I think is best to the purpose that Luther was driving toward.
1: Yeah, and historically, we can do a little bit of Reconstructionism, you know. Sure. We can trace some uh, theological ideas and see if they if they hold or if, they, or if he gives them up, right? Right, right, exactly,
0: we track it. Mm-hmm. But we just, as you noted, we don't throw Luther out or we don't throw the Dictata out just because 90% of it might not be a mature mm-hmm. Luther at his best, because still 10% of that is useful and it is the the seeds of what Luther would continue to pursue and where he would be led. Right. So there Luther had spoken of Christ's birth in us and of assent in the spiritual cognition. He had mm-hmm. also extolled not the memoria sacramentalis, but the memoria spiritualis. Now against Karlstadt's spiritual remembrance, Luther sets the external remembrance of proclaiming the Lord's death to which he had drawn attention in the Chrysostom passage in his lectures on Hebrews. Luther now rejects Karlstadt's assertion that quote-unquote participation in the suffering of Christ and participation in Christ's body and blood are the same thing. Mm. This is important because that's really at the base of the sacrifice of the mass too.
1: Yeah, by by eating and drinking. You are participating in Good Friday. Oh. Whereas Luther mm-hmm. would say you're receiving the benefit of Good Friday. Correct. Mm. Right. It's passion
0: versus reception. Oh, I see. So Suffering, that, passion, passion
1: literally synonymous with the word suffering. Right. And we've said when you go to the Lord's Supper, you go to your death, right? When right. you go to your death, you go to the Lord's Supper. But right. by that, we don't mean the, the, like, the horrible, like excruciating part of death, mm-hmm. right? What do we mean? We actually mean- the big D death. Well, to your resurrection. Right,
0: exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, your big D death is Jesus, by the way. Yeah. The death of death.
1: Oh, I read that somewhere.
0: Unless you're not in Christ, then the big D death is the death that separates you from God forever.
1: Yeah, which is not so much fun.
0: No, not so much. (laughs) So this is the point, though. Notice that Luther sets the external remembrance of proclaiming the Lord's death Mm. to be the thing over and against an earlier position in his early Psalms lectures. And Karlstadt in the present tense. Karlstadt says, no, the whole purpose of the Lord's Supper, the sacrament, is this to participate in the suffering of Christ and participate in Jesus' body and blood in the present tense. It's all the same thing.
1: Even if it's not the whole, it's the main thing.
0: Right. It's yeah. a spiritual eating and drinking and a spiritual participation in his passion on Good Friday. And thus also
1: spiritual benefit. And thus also spiritual benefit because the
0: flesh is
1: garbage, corrupt, evil. Well, and I think we've seen this actually spin out in our own experience where um, the sacrament it is only spoken of as, I mean, okay, our, our rite, our hymnal actually says, uh, strengthen you in body and soul, right? So, right. It, it's meant to affect the whole person or to benefit mm-hmm. the whole person. Right. Um, but implicitly, we actually, I don't know if we actually believe that, or at least as an inst- you know corporate institution. Because… Well, because, because yeah. traditionally you take the sacrament to those who are sick, those who are mm-hmm. dying, you know, those who are ill, right, mm-hmm. um, or those who are doubting or in spiritual despair, and the sacrament was meant to to strengthen them, but especially those you know who had physical ailment. We're like, mm-hmm. oh, but it doesn't. No, it's just spiritual eating. You right. see how that spins out. Yep. Yeah, it's not going to benefit them physically. And you're like, well, why wouldn't it?
0: Right. And that's one where children of the Greco-Roman western civilization worldview which is mm. neoplatonic at base spirit and flesh kind of distinctions divisions i'm sorry but also then as you noted we're also children of protestantism modern protestantism doesn't matter what denomination you're in american evangelicalism reform theology has permeated all of the church in the united states yeah in some it's way in way, the shape water or form. <laughs> yeah absolutely and the reform teaching on the supper is it's a spiritual eating it's a
1: remembrance that's the irony of our church body leaving Germany, uh, maybe mostly just for farmland, but also for, you know, unionism. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, right. you know, where Reform and Lutheran kind of are, were blended and Lutherans had to give up who they were in order to to blend, right? Uh, in favor yeah. of this kind of spiritual eating. And then they come to the U.S. where that's the predominant view anyway. <laughs> right. Right. Like, hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No wonder you're like, well, we'll just slip back into it again. Because right. it's here.
0: And it's popular because it it puts the onus back on the individual. Mm, that's true. It's, it's all about what I believe, and it's all about how I express that belief in my words and my actions. Yeah, my experience. Right, exactly. I'm going to commune with Jesus. I'm going to commune with my God, so forth and so on. And I'm
1: going to do this or that to make it really special. Exactly.
0: In his 1519 sermon... Von dem hochwürdigen sacrament, Luther had extolled this participation as the core and meaning of the sacrament. Hmm. He then heard Christ say with the words of institution, I am the head, I will be the first who gives himself for you. I will make your suffering and misfortune my own and bear them for you in order that you in turn will do the same to me and one another and have everything in common in me and
1: with me. Well, I think we talked about it in the last episode, right, that that. It's rather that being the communion of, of Christ, um, you know, his flesh and blood under bread and wine, mm-hmm. that the priority is, I've usually heard it express, well, the Holy Communion is actually us joining with one another. Correct. And that's being the priority. And that's right here in Luther, 1519. Right. Um, but he's going to say that's not the big deal. No. It's not the main thing.
0: And it's, this is the thing. I am the head. I will be the first who gives himself for you. I will make your suffering and misfortune my own and bear them for you. No There's problem. nothing inherently wrong with that. Nope. <laughs> I, I, it's like, I say that and I go, and I, I put that in the sermon, that's good stuff. Sure. In order that you in turn will do the same to me mm-hmm. and one another. There's the sacrificial turn. Yeah. Now, if he had said, do that to for each other, I still wouldn't really have a problem with that statement. So that is... It's a first John 4 kind of thing, right? We love one another because he first loved us and then gave himself as right. a propitiation, right?
1: Right, and Jesus also says, you know, uh, or they ask him, when do we see you hungry, thirsty, etc. You did right. it unto me. Right, exactly. But, but they ha- that had to be revealed to them. Right. They never saw Jesus in their neighbor. Right. It's just that it's that one little phrase more than
0: anything that really turns this little paragraph around toward mm-hmm. a sacrificial...
1: Versus a sacramental understanding of what just happened. Yeah, the benefit of the eating and drinking is that you would serve God and one another. Right. Versus
0: forgiveness, life, and salvation. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it is, he gives himself for you. He makes your suffering and misfortune his own. He bears them for you. Awesome. Perfect. Amen. Mm -hmm. But he does this so that you'll do the same thing for him. There it is. He doesn't actually need you to sacrifice for him.
1: Oh, I see it now. Okay. That you will do the same to me, namely suffer yes. and make his misfortune your own. Right. Um, this is why I
0: bring this up a lot where Paul says that we complete in our own bodies the sufferings of Christ. Mm-hmm. I bet you that's where he's getting that from.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think we see this play out in the more sappy of the uh, Holy Week hymns. Sure. You know, we're like, oh, were you there? And oh, shouldn't you right. feel really horrible? You know, mm. we need to suffer with Jesus because it's Good Friday. Right, right. He like, suffered wait. for you. <laughs> yeah. Why aren't you ready to suffer for him? Right, and and by suffering we mean like three hour church service. Yeah, exactly. That's right. With darkness and uh, loud noises and things. Right.
0: So it is very subtle, but I, I like I said, I think if you read this uncritically, it sounds great on the surface. Mm-hmm. Jesus did this for you. Now you go do this for God and your neighbor. You have faith. Fruit of faith is love of God, love of your neighbor. It's fantastic.
1: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah
0: the problem is who are you doing the sacrificing for because god doesn't need your sacrifices nope your neighbor does yeah not the bulls not the goats
1: not your prayers Mm -hmm. no right
0: so then back to the the book here participation was in the corpus mysticum which was to be more regarded than the corpus verum the corpus verum is there but not central and transubstantiation is useful for its spiritual significance Mm -hmm. there it is right there like i said This is the thing, and Luther comes to this conclusion then when he gets to, against the fanatics in 1521, but specifically in 1528 uh, regarding Christ's Supper, that treatise that he writes, which is this. The reason he calls the Roman Catholics fanatics and then calls Zwingli and his followers fanatics, which he throws Karlstadt in there as well, is because at the end of the day, theologically, they're two sides of the same coin. So Hmm. the mystics deny that the bread and wine are transubstantiated, they become flesh and blood. They don't need that, and they would consider that actually kind of gross and evil because why would God do that? Mm. He's pure spirit. But they cling to, along with the Roman Catholics, this, that what is central is the spiritual significance of the eating and the drinking. Mm-hmm. So they're both theologically the same to Luther. They just have a different polity. Yeah. But both sides are about one thing. How do we get out of our bodies and become purely spiritual?
1: Well, and also... Um, how can we get away from jesus in his body exactly you know, I like having him that close <laughs> right that intimate and that real i mean that's corpus wearum, mm-hmm. right true body right you know, uh, 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 that's a little uncomfortable which
0: by the way is why you venerate a statue of jesus because you've completely separated the body and the blood from the elements hmm. and made it a spiritual eating and drinking a spiritual a corpus mysticum it's a spiritualized body it's not an actual body And therefore, where do we focus our attention then, if not on bodies? And especially Jesus' body and blood, when you're saying it's not really there, but it's kind of there, but it's
1: been transubstantiated. Yeah, and maybe it's worth remembering, we've talked about this before, episode, who knows what, uh, (laughs) (laughs) that uh, the distinction, at least in in Christ's presence, um, in worship or in the sacrament, between mystical you know rome and the reformed it's actually not that different right he's not actually present at least mm-hmm. not bodily like real body he's really present <laughs> you have to be careful with our reformed friends he's right. really present but really in a mystical way yes You're like well, that's not real right i mean i guess depends on how you want to find real He's really spiritually present? Okay. Well, it's interesting. The root of that, is it really
0: real, comes from the word essential or essence.
1: Ah, uh, okay. So which is actually comes thing. straight
0: up out of platonic philosophy. That's where the term got popularized. Because uh, you have the essence and the substance. Yeah, the substance, I, the material, the outward stuff, that's not the thing. That's just the the vessel. That's just the jar. We want what's in the jar.
1: Yeah, that's why I, I think it's kind of silly. I understand the motive of saying the true body and blood of our Lord Jesus right. Christ. Um, i just say the body and blood because it either is or it isn't i it mean is, it is, exactly
0: faith grasps it or faith does not and do, saying adding an adjective ain't going to make it more or less the so. real or
1: the true it's like you're i mean i guess you're trying to reject some kind of error but like we said you may not actually be rejecting the error you think you are right by using these these loaded terms really yeah mm.
0: i do not think that means what you think it means yeah exactly so back to the book it is important to note that luther now continually speaks of body and blood Hmm. Italics, emphasis, blood. In the 1519 sermon, the blood was of value only as supporting the spiritual significance of the sacrament, the union and fellowship of the saints and of them with Christ. Just as in baptism, it would be better to immerse.
1: Did we talk right. about that on the last episode? I think we did, or maybe two two back, that, you know, I guess I had a wrong presumption until reading here with Nagel, that... Mm-hmm the receiving in two kinds was kind of a practical problem right right so they didn't receive the wine because you know you might spill it or something like that right but rather um i think you know looking at luther and how he understood it um in his you know pre lutheran days whatever that mm-hmm. is that's anachronism um <laughs> uh, you know he he's they really didn't have the same view of the body as they did with the blood and they saw the blood Correct. as something different so basically the people communed on the bread because that represents the body yes and they are the body right but only the priests received the blood because uh fill in the blank right what is it why why would the priests only receive the blood again i don't think it's just practical here he's saying no they were they were uh, set aside yes they're the spiritually significant ones
0: well here. and you have to uh, for the we've talked about this before that when a Roman Catholic priest is ordained, their very being is changed. Mm-hmm, right. They believe that's what they teach. So the priest isn't technically fully human anymore. <laughs> <laughs> a mutant or. Which is why a Roman Catholic priest can never not be a Roman Catholic priest because you're changed by your ordination. That's why it's a sacrament. Yeah, you just have to shuffle them off
1: into isolation. Yeah.
0: Right, exactly. Versus for Lutherans, we're all about the office. If I leave the office of the ministry, I'm not a pastor anymore, mm-hmm. I'm just a guy. Versus a Roman Catholic priest is always a priest by right. You can be brought into the office and you can sent, be sent right. right back out. And going back to this too, because I think it's important because you, you hit on a word that I don't want to pass over to fact, which is represent. Mm, yeah. Because the word represent um, equals image or impression. That's what it means actually. Right. So what something represents to us is our perception of the image or the impression that we get from it. So it's really a mystical word. 100 percent yeah yeah because you're re-presenting something which means whatever is in whatever is present isn't actually the thing itself but we need to go back this thing this image this mm. impression that we get from this thing in the present tense like the wine the re part of it is is pointing us back to something yeah. that it rep that it it represents this isn't the essential thing the essential thing is good friday and so this it's, it's symbolic is of image. a higher thing yes exactly oh, okay so what we represent is what it symbolizes to us, what the image is. And then our perception of that image determines our judgment of the thing.
1: Mm. So we got to do so, it
0: really well. Right. So if you ask someone, what, what, what does marriage represent to you? Or what does marriage symbolize to you? Right. Or to this point, what does the sacrament mean to you? Symbolize, mean, represent. I'm asking for your perception
1: Of this, rather than the actual truth of it. Whereas the essential later Lutheran uh, question would be, "What is it?" Right, right. What is it? Not what does this mean? I don't. It doesn't really matter what it means to you. It's just what is it? No, one (laughs) hundred
0: percent. Well, we just talked about this in adult Bible study yesterday, where I reemphasized, jokingly but seriously, when I ask, "What does the text say?" I don't want you to tell me what you think it means. I want you to literally (laughs) quote the text back to me.
1: Yeah, (laughs) yeah, right. And that is the catechism, <laughs> by the way. Uh, it's unfortunate that Vasistas is translated as, what does this mean? Right, because right? that's not... No, it's just, what is it? Just... Yeah, what is it? <laughs> okay. Yeah, what is it? Right, which we get from the... Well, what did he just say? The true body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Right. Under which Fred's Luther line.
0: gets from Exodus, by the way, because the Hebrew word manna means, what is it?
1: Hmm. It's a nice. question.
0: It's a it's a question that is seeking a confession of faith.
1: Yeah. Hence, cate- catechical,
0: right? Repeat right. back. So I think I I didn't want to gloss over it because I do think it's an important point to this is that the memorial eating, the remembrance eating, or the spiritual eating, well, what are the bread and wine on the altar for at all then? Well, they represent, they symbolize something. Well, what do they symbolize? Jesus' body and blood, which is back there 2,000 years ago on Calvary. So by eating the bread and drinking the wine, because you believe that Jesus died 2,000 years ago for you, and this bread and wine symbolizes, symbolizes, represents to you a higher reality,
1: you are now a part of that higher reality. And like we talked about in the last episode, it actually doesn't matter whether you even receive it in your mouth. Right. For Rome. Right, from Rome. No, you can just sit there. Because it's, because it's representative, as long as I believe it's representative, that's right. enough. I don't even have to eat and drink it. This is why Luther talks about, in his day, in large cities,
0: on like Good Friday, people would run from church to church and stand in the doorway to see the priest elevate the elements and say the verba and they believed because they were taught this as long as you see it and hear it you receive the benefit of it so therefore i would run from church to church on a good friday
1: for example and hear 10 or 12 of these i'm good for the whole year wow it's like a parade or something i just make sure i see the float that you know my kids are on exactly (laughs) and we can laugh at it and think it's naive or ignorant or
0: vulgar but people do that in the present tense too they come to church just to watch yeah just to watch or they come up and they know that you as their pastor have taught them this is means what it is this is what it is and in their mind they're still saying yeah there's no way that anybody could possibly believe that the body and blood of jesus is you know. mm. or more specifically no matter how many times you say the word under <laughs> the body and blood of jesus are under the bread and wine people hear it as so you're saying it's the, it's that it's not bread and wine anymore it's body and blood we do this naturally we yeah. just do it naturally sure. yeah we go there so the roman catholics aren't that nuts no. to teach this stuff
1: <laughs> no and it makes i mean it makes perfect sense it's like if you've got oh i don't know lapsed kids that just don't go to church anymore and they mm-hmm. want to show up for Christmas, you're going to say, yeah, come, you know, There you go. Yeah, come on Christmas. Well, why? Cause you secretly hope that somehow it's going to benefit them even right. lacking faith. <laughs> right. Or how about this? So-and-so's kid or
0: grandkid was confirmed in this church and now mm-hmm. they're practicing Wiccan or something, but can we just make, can they come to the, can they come to communion with me, pastor? Because I, I you know, this is the only time of the year that our whole family's <laughs> together and we really want to commune together as a family this is the perfect expression of
1: mysticism yeah wiccan or something i'm trying to think yeah. what else would be as nuts <laughs> anyway you know, yeah yeah well it's going to benefit them outside of faith which i mean paul's careful especially with the sacrament to say that's not right. that's actually it's actually going to hurt and harm you it's not gonna right you're going to die you. yeah <laughs> it'll kill whatever faith you have left right we you. don't
0: often link up that text in first corinthians to genesis 2 and 3 unfortunately hmm. he says that the day that you eat this you're gonna die and then they eat it and they die but not in the way that we expect them to die yeah not right every away. child that reads that goes but they didn't die pastor well yeah they did because there's more than one kind of death mm-hmm. likewise paul is saying people have died now have some died physically 100 percent. but does he mean some have died in relation to christ yes they have Oh, well, we know which is that's the big death. I
1: mean, yeah, because you're sinning against the spirit. Right.
0: The only death that actually matters. That's why Paul. That's why Jesus warns in Matthew, "Don't fear the one that can destroy your body, but fear the one who can destroy both body and and throw your soul into hell." Yeah. So Paul's not saying if you if you come to Lord's Supper this Sunday at my church and you eat unworthily, you're just going to keel over at the altar. Right, but it's not going to build up faith. Right, but there's something that's worse than a physical death, which mm. is, as you just pointed out, yeah, the death of faith. or the hardening of one's heart against true faith
1: Mm, god wouldn't do that right that's not in the bible
0: (laughs) so let's plunge forward here while karlstadt and early luther may not be simply equated it is yet clear that luther had some experience of what he now attacks Mm -hmm. this perhaps helps to explain that what he now attacks is not all karlstadt however there you go. Karlstadt represents something to Luther at this point. Yeah. It's not all Karlstadt. It's what he
1: represents. Yeah. It's like, uh, what do you want to say? Slippery slope or, you no? Know, right. I, th- I think that's how you would view Karlstadt. It's like, you don't see, you don't see, you, you're only like making this simple argument up front, but you don't mm-hmm. see where this is going to go. But right. I know where it goes. Or that
0: you're a part of something bigger than just your personal opinion or confession here. Yeah. You don't even understand. That you really are standing in as a representative for the old Adam's religion Mm. because Mm. you're trying to separate Jesus from the means that he has chosen to give himself to you yeah thus the emphasis on body and blood because water blood and spirit crying Mm. or water blood and spirit these three testify to the truth so how however more important here than the question of Luther's fairness to Karlstadt is the fact that what he attacked, he saw as denial and undoing of what he held concerning Christ and his supper. That Luther sees them both threatened by Karlstadt suggests that they are for him somehow related. Mm. Against the heavenly prophets deals also with the not unrelated subjects of iconoclasm, Mm -hmm. Christian
1: liberty, and the right understanding of the law, and so of the gospel also. Yeah, just a little bit of the backstory there. I mean, Luther was in at the Wartburg in hiding, mm-hmm. comes back for the first Sunday in Lent, right. the first week in Lent, because Karlstadt over Christmas break <laughs> had yeah. gone through and- Went a little nuts. Went a little nuts, yeah. He stopped wearing vestments. He threw out the. He did, He did. got rid of all this, you know, indifferent stuff. Anything um, that quote-unquote looked Roman. Yeah, oh, we've never seen anybody like that. No, right? So all corpuses
0: were ripped off crosses, crucifixes. Yep. Stained glass windows were- destroyed statuary was torn down yeah yep yeah and And oh by the way what was luther doing while he was holed up in the castle at this time translating yeah every day all day translating Mm. his biblical exegesis at this point is so tuned so tuned up
1: right but his accusation against Karlstadt is that he was so caught up he was majoring in the minors he was so caught up in all this physical stuff Right. And he wasn't he threw, actually he teaching the threw the baby and the bathwater out. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. what? Okay, you've, there's this stuff with baptism that we're doing that's a little wonky. I get that. But mm-hmm. why don't you actually teach what baptism is? And the wonky right. stuff will take care of itself then. Right. Because people will say, well, why are we doing that? Because it doesn't have right. anything to do with what the Bible says about baptism. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and it, it'll follow, right? Right. Uh, it's the same thing with, okay, I mean, Luther even says to Karlstadt, you know, the wearing the vestments thing, it's not that big of a deal. Right. right and actually maybe long long term we could have got we could get rid of it mm-hmm. but the way you did it is you right. actually made people think that that was the thing right you know Hmm.
0: and so you, you destroyed their liberty actually right you'll uh, you'll notice a lot of the times unbelievable it's like clockwork it is it never rings unless we're recording i think this time we're gonna leave it in should we all right we'll leave it in that's fine it's Kay. it's a happy thing but you'll notice that Karlstadt, Agricola is this way too. Most of Luther's opponents and some of Luther's colleagues that disagree with him, they're binary in their approach to these things. Mm, it's either right, right all or, wrong. or nothing. It's right or wrong. So okay. you're either with us or you're against us. And that's Karlstadt's approach to the heavenly prophets when they come into Wittenberg is you're either with us or you're against us. And even Luther suffers from this because he really does come down hard on Melanchthon. For not standing up and defending the Reformation
1: at this yeah. point. Yeah, I mean that that line between you know passion and fanaticism. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, it's it's not easily defined always. Well, and this is a great point. So we have
0: passion defined as suffering. There's actually seven different definitions for the word passion in English. Oh, which is part okay. of the I jumped into that one. Yeah, uh, Renee. Uh, I'm sorry. No, uh, Jacques Derrida wrote an entire book on this, on the Passion of Christ, actually and breaking down the seven different meanings of passion. And he's French, so it's... The kind of the father of postmodernism, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. I used to love Jacques when I was a younger man and didn't have children.
1: <laughs> <laughs> a lot of free time on your
0: hands. Exactly. The refrigerator is not here. Um, point being, though, is that in relation to Christ's passion, we mean suffering. Passion, in, re- in reference to someone who gets all stirred up and excited, mm-hmm. refers to excitement, enthusiasm. Right. Being passionate about a project, excited about it luther's trying to point out here you're wrong in both instances yeah you've turned the the bodily eating and drinking into a mystical participation in in jesus's death and your enthusiasm your excitement for the reformation has actually caused you to lead people
1: astray and destroy their faith Mm. as you said they're majoring in minors now yeah i mean you can become such a fanatic for something that you no longer can enjoy it or benefit from it yes
0: Well, and think about how easy it is to tear something down and destroy something than it is to actually, as you noted, catechize and parse out and and think and speak in nuance. Mm. And like with the vestments or the statuary or the stained glass windows and say, hey, I understand we get them from this tradition that's Roman Catholic, but don't those windows actually teach the faith? Aren't aren't the illustrations in the the stained glass windows actually from the Bible? They're good biblical illustrations? Is there a way we can retain these things for now? Right, without scandal, without scandalizing and and troubling consciences, Mm -hmm. like
1: he does with the uh, rite of baptism. Right, yeah, day one, and you can't throw out everything. Right. Mm, You know, over seven, eight years, I mean.
0: Right, it's time. Okay. We've had enough time. Yeah. So back to the book, Luther finds that Karlstadt's mystic inwardness and scorn for external things leads to a new legalism Mm -hmm. and relapse into external works. There you go yep if you take away the works of christ for you what's left well what we do for jesus right exactly i guess the devil's works but there's nobody who believes and this should be reiterated also or iterated karlstadt believes what he he's doing is for the sake of the gospel he believes what he's doing is for the sake of the kingdom of christ he's not doing this out of a malicious intent
1: to destroy the church he does believe he's doing good Arguably, he might even believe the gospel, right? Exactly. You know, at least, at least on paper or whatnot. I mean, right. But he doesn't. So he doesn't see how his behavior, or his actions, actually are right undermining what he believes. Right. That's well. That's the definition of hypocrisy, I suppose. And that's also part of his personality because I think either in the
0: table talks, I think it's maybe the table talks, or, or somewhere else, Luther points out, or one of his colleagues, it might have been Almsdorff, points out, or Bugenhagen. That Luther and Karlstadt were debating at lunch one day. And because <laughs> Luther had quoted something from Augustine. Mm. And Carlstadt said that wasn't or no, Carlstadt had quoted Augustine, and Luther said that wasn't Augustine, that was pseudo-Augustine. It was a medieval apocryphal text. <laughs> okay. And Carlstadt said, No, I've read it. I, I know for a fact it was Augustine. And Luther said, No, I've read it, and I know for a fact it's not, because I was I was down in Rome and I fact checked. <laughs> and so Karlstadt walked to Rome. It's a true story. Karlstadt walked to Rome to fact-check Luther, and Luther was right. He not only quoted the paragraph in question and told him where it was at and what book it was at and where it was at in the library, Karlstadt went right to the book, opened right to the page Luther quoted, right to the paragraph, and word for word, Luther was right.
1: That's, that's like how many months? Three. Yeah. Yeah. He took a leave of absence. To go to find that quote. Hey, I mean, if I had a student that was that bound and determined to prove me wrong, right? More power to you. you Right. But it goes to the point of Karlstadt's
0: personality: is that when he gets in an argument with somebody, he's not willing to say you might have a point there. Maybe I didn't remember it, or let's agree to disagree, hundred percent. Right. A dog with a bone that won't stop until that bone is dust. he will
1: pulverize that bone i'm sympathetic to that kind of approach to things
0: (laughs) if you're a lutheran you have to be yeah (laughs) it's genetic so you can understand then why as as nagel points out here karlstadt's mystic inwardness and scorn for external things leads to a new legalism and how it's possible that if luther comes back from um the Coburg Mm -hmm. and then says you're wrong to his own colleague who they've kind of grown up together and, and kind of been a part of this. Well, Luther left him there in, intentionally in place. Exactly,
1: to, yes. To serve in his stead.
0: Right, you put me in charge and now you're telling me that I screwed up? Yeah, really?
1: Yeah. Nobody likes that.
0: <laughs> no, especially yeah. Especially when you're, you're, and he's got the popular vote. Right. It's not as if Karl Stott says these things and these other guys who are with him say these things and the people turn against them. No, this is like Aaron
1: and the people at Mount mm-hmm. Sinai. That's exactly right. Yeah, there's a mob mentality going on. 100%. They they and they're on board with them. I mean, he's right. worked them up. And like I said, it's it's easy to
0: destroy, both physically destroy statues and stained glass windows and so forth, but also then to destroy tear down intellectually and spiritually. Yeah. And and yeah, you replace Jesus, you got to what do you replace him with? Well, your own works and therefore a new kind of legalism.
1: I suppose we've seen this play out. I mean, it's a lot harder to restore You know, an edifying use of an image like the crucifix in a congregation that's thrown that out. And I imagine, I mean, I wasn't there, but I imagine it was pretty easy to get rid of it. Sure, absolutely. Just make some argument. Well, the empty cross is a symbol of the resurrection. Oh, that's a good, I like that. Well, there's the word, though, again, symbol. I know. I don't want a symbol. I
0: want the benefit, which you noted earlier. And we're about to get to this because... This is why uh, Nagel writes then in the next sentence, this reverses the order of salvation, that Mm -hmm. the purpose of the word and the sacrament is to pull you out of yourself and place you in the other. Mm -hmm. Jesus, where he chooses to be for you and in your neighbor, faith and love. What does Karlstadt do? He reverses that. Well, what's the purpose of Christ in the gospel? To plunge you deeper into yourself. Mm. Why? Well, because that's where Jesus lives, in your heart, which is also a famous uh, image that Augustine coins. There's a
1: there's a throne in your heart, and the only person that can fill that throne is Jesus. I guess there's some sense of you know we're a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. Correct. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Right. Yeah. So th- this is not unbiblical stuff. It's just how you spin it. Mm. It's and it maybe it's helpful to say it in this way it's a matter of priority you know or what's the the main thing versus what's secondary thing we we make those distinctions theologically and if you want to do a a project just for your
0: own benefit and growth go and find you know stuff written about augustine and his influences his philosophical influences Mm -hmm. yeah, the neoplatonic influences on augustine and how they influence his theology and have a fun time with that research project because I do think in the present tense because we don't have the classical curriculum which we've talked about before. Yeah. We're not grounded in philosophy especially Greco-Roman philosophy. We tend to just accept that these terms and that these ways of expressing ourselves are
1: exegetically accurate. Well I think you mentioned Derrida before uh, that is the postmodern turn is that words are empty of meaning and we just mm-hmm. import meaning into them. Right. In fact yesterday in
0: Bible study because we're studying Proverbs 12 I pointed out speech and speaking is so important to the proverbist because words actually do have an effect. They do have power. Mm-hmm. So a wicked man who speaks in a certain way will bring about a wicked or an evil result. Likewise, for a good man, a good result. But I also ask the question, what is it exactly that makes us the image of God? Luther says in his Genesis lectures, it's the word mm-hmm. that we speak. We're the only creature that speaks. That that is the image, the Imago Dei is that we speak yeah so therefore words are not void of meaning but they have power because what is the first thing god says to the man go ahead and name everything whatever you name it that's what yeah. it is No.
1: Yeah. whereas I, I think for most people it's like bearing the image of christ meaning we live a life like he lived and we do the yes, things that he did and exactly yeah, yeah we live our entire life as a representation of something oh, else so then our life is a symbol okay yeah right yeah and that's another. It's not mystery. a
0: real life it's just fantasy.
1: Which is then a mystical turn. Okay. Caught in a landslide. No escape from reality.
0: <laughs> Open your eyes. <laughs> Look up to the sky and see. My daughter's been watching Muppets, Bohemian Rhapsody nonstop the last two weeks.
1: It's just <laughs> Okay. It's not, it could saying, be Mama, worse.
0: Mama? <laughs> dada? Yeah, it could be worse. <laughs> There's nothing that a baby can't make worse. <laughs> More of that, daddy. So then back to the book the karlstadt turns upside down beginning with mortification and then proceeding towards holiness in god via seven mystic stages good night well we've seen this more popularly in modernity with henry Nouwen. ah yeah he we actually wrote a that. book on the seven steps luther sees the mystic process as in the realm of man's approach and doing toward god thus it's sacrificial because it's mm-hmm. from what we do for god versus what god does for us so, the inward works of, quote, burning remembrance, ardent knowledge, and feelingly tasting the suffering of Christ, unquote.
1: I'm go gagging. along with the pro- I know, right?
0: So, yeah, that's, yeah. Emotionally loaded Satan. burning yeah. remembrance, ardent knowledge, feeling, and tasting the suffering of Christ. Adverbs are the, this is a negalism, right? Yeah. Enemy of the gospel. Okay. Yes. Go along with the prohibitions of externals, whose observance produces external works. Such are the mandatory removal of images, elevation, the name mass, vestments, singing, the adoption of peasant's hat and gray coat, no title but brother and dear neighbor, a particular manner of breaking the bread, sabbatarianism, self-elected forms of mortification. All of this to Luther achieves no more than a new monkery and helping the papacy get back up again. Indeed, the Pope does not go so far as Karlstadt. And Luther, already having been dubbed double papist, feels called upon to defend himself against Karlstadt's slanders. Wow. But the Pope and Karlstadt push Christ out. The one pushes him out the front door, the other one pushes him out the back door. So Luther says, swallowed up in works. Karlstadt makes a new Moses and a new Christ. These he puts in place of Christ and so
1: drives Christ out so he doesn't even get the law right he doesn't even get moses no. right
0: no because it's a new legalism
1: oh, good night but i'm trying to think uh, when he's listing all the things that you're not supposed to be doing now yeah from Karlstadt. um yeah. this actually sounds like at least one religious tradition it does doesn't it yeah which one are we no talking more about? images no elevation no name mass no
0: vestments no singing no and what do we do instead we adopt the peasant's hat and gray coat we only refer to each other as brother or dear neighbor. These are the Puritans, for those of you who are wondering. I was going to say, this, I feel like I'm at the Amana colonies too. Right, exactly. Yes, 100% the Amana colonies. Uh-huh. Like This This wasn't just stuff that Carlstadt came up with and then it just died on the vine. Huh. Karlstadt is kind of a proto-reformed theologian. Actually, not kind of, he is proto-reformed. Wow. He's ahead of Zwingli by over a decade because Zwingli does this too. But so you can see then... Karl, this isn't in a moderate kind of way, though. Right? right, but this is what we noted: is that Karlstadt is representative of a larger movement. This isn't just Carlstadt, and this isn't kind of a cult of personality type of deal. He is representative of something much bigger than himself.
1: How much then is this Luther recognizing that just like his writings got spread, uh, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit quick, more quickly than what he had really intended? Doesn't didn't really intend for the Ninety-five Theses to be uh, printed and spread around yeah, right. the world, right? right. Um, that Karlstadt probably doesn't even realize that, you know, these things that you're saying and doing news is going to spread and it's not going to have a positive effect. It's actually going to be the opposite effect of what you hope right. for. Right. And it's going to open the door. <laughs> um, Luther right. was maybe a little prophetic then opening yeah, the absolutely. door to all sorts of things. So mm-hmm. to wrap this section up then, uh, Nagel
0: continues, Karlstadt does not teach how Christ is our treasure and God's gift. Once faith comes makes of him a lawgiver and an example that we ought to follow luther admits no such example not even christ much less any saint so this is so key because i i hear this all the time still in the present tense mm-hmm. which is which is that well we're to follow jesus's example
1: what would jesus do that was yeah the what would jesus one. do yeah.
0: exactly you're you're not saying anything that the roman catholics didn't say already <laughs> the medieval roman catholics right exactly yeah predating luther so luther admits no such example not even christ much less any saint he insists on the word for the sake of which all works examples and miracles occur mm. here's the problem right there word first luther, right yeah. luther actually believes that the word of god does what he says versus karlstadt says the word of god represents something yeah so we have
1: to make the word effective by our own
0: action right which, by the way, in my Jewish study Bible that I use all the time, mm-hmm. this is what the rabbis say against Christians that say that Jesus is the word of God. The rabbis argue that God's words symbolize or represent God's thoughts, but they're not God. Karlstadt is saying the same thing. The Roman Catholics are saying the same thing. Modern Protestants are saying the same thing. So the rabbi, the modern rabbi, the reformed rabbi, not the orthodox guys, but even the orthodox guys obviously would deny Jesus is God's mm-hmm. word in the flesh. Sure. So let's just say, in general, Judaism. So the, Jew, the, the Jewish folks and the Reformed Christians are actually on the same page when it comes to God's word. That God's word doesn't do what he says it does, it just symbolizes something else, some greater reality, some truth. Mm, it's yeah. our believing in it and our
1: acting upon it that make it real. Right, we have to actually tease out the meaning. It's right. not clear and obvious. You we, we have to use some kind of spiritual exercise to get there.
0: Right. This is why you can't end your sermons, for example, with the sacraments and that's it. Or with what the sacraments do for you. Because you have to tell people now that they're about to receive the sacrament, this then is the fruit of the sacrament. You do this. Mm. You behave in this way. Hmm. Versus what I you think you, are, you and I would argue is we're preaching the law lawfully. This is how the law accuses you of sin, death, and being under the sway of Satan. Then Jesus comes, the law drives us to Christ. And then we talk about the fruits of faith in the indicative, not, not as what you should or shouldn't do, but rather as Paul does in Romans and Galatians, for example, this is what you do now. Yeah. Because the spirit is going to produce this in and through you. Uh,
1: yeah, you should or could. <laughs> right. No, you Paul might. never says
0: you should be long-suffering and kind and tender-hearted and forgiving. He simply says these are the fruits of the spirit. Mm-hmm. He also points out that the works of the flesh are for you and that the fruits of the spirit are For the spirit yeah they're attributed to the spirit but but luther's point then is that the word does it all karlstadt's point is well no (laughs) the word the word just opens up it represents something
1: Mm, it's like a window into a higher reality
0: right but the word is powerless to do anything if you don't act upon that that's why we ask the question what does this mean to you What does this represent? What is your perception of this image, this symbol? Express in your own words. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So to take Christ as our example in Karlstadt's way would mean not only that we must not elevate, but also that we must not marry, and we should only observe the Lord's Supper in the upper room in Jerusalem, or rather desist until we know whether the wine he used was white or red, and the bread, wheat, or barley. (laughs) That's from Luther, by the way. That's Luther pushing it, right? It is. Why? Why? Because when Christ is example and lawgiver, his words of institution become a law, whose observance is then a good work, and the sacrament is a work effected by men. There you go. So Luther says, oh, so really the words just symbolize a higher reality that happened 2,000 years ago? Well, then, in order to make that reality real in the present tense, we have to reenact everything exactly as it was done at the Last Supper. Yeah. Which, by the way, is where the practice of bringing the seder meal back into Christian churches during Holy Week comes from.
1: Oops, I was going to say this too. That um, uh, I know we've expressed this in a number of ways, but um, Luther's emphasis later Luther, not fifteen nineteen is you add anything to Christ and His work for you, right. you've actually undone the whole thing. Exactly. You, you can't let you can't even let a little bit in, and that's what he's doing here with Carlstadt. He's like, okay, if you just maybe right now you're just thinking investments, and you're just saying. You know, no vestments, and we got to use you know uh, red wine or something. But what is it going to be tomorrow? We're going to have to keep pushing this, right? Until until eventually, we're just going to make a pilgrimage, and we're going to live in Jerusalem, and we're only going to use that room. We're going to be this little weird cult, basically. That's that's where this goes. Yeah, exactly. No, that's a great way to put it.
0: Is there? I don't think there's any better place to end than on the sacrament, huh? I think that's a good. Well, that's where we like to end. I think that's a good place to stop. Let's stop there. So as always, we thank you for your time and attention. We know it's valuable to you, and we hope that you uh, benefited from this podcast. And as always, we thank you for everything you do to support higher things, and especially as Lutheran as it gets. I hope we pass the audition. We'll see you for lunch.
1: Now for some bonus time with As Lutheran As It Gets. This is actually going to be our last episode. Pastor Riley and I are going to go a little bit more intensely in on our other podcast, Banned Books, which is hosted by 1517.org. You can go find us there. We're going to continue some of what we're doing here on As Lutheran As It Gets, but continue there to critique non-Lutherans, both those who get it quite right and those who don't get it quite right if you get my meaning. So go join us over there and continue to support the work of Higher Things. Uh, Higher Things is going to go in an even more youth-centric direction with their media. So we do thank you, though, for for being with us and coming along on this journey as we have delved deep into the basement B-tracks, B-sides, basement tapes. What do we call them? Oh, pizza tapes. Yeah. Go join us on Banned Books at 1517.org Lord be with you. See ya.